Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. This is the CONCACAF Champions Cup Round 1, first leg of the Liga MX Matches Review Show. Now, for those of you that are, once again, are aware that CONCACAF has expanded their Champions League, now Champions Cup tournament for the international club tournaments, and that means that in the month of February, all four weeks during the midweek will be matches in the first leg, the second leg for both Liga MX and Major League Soccer taking on opponents they've been drawn against either in Central America, the Caribbean, and of course, the three Canadian teams representing Major League Soccer and the Canadian Premier League. And, you know, um, you know, I know you're expecting a theme song, entrance song, intro song. Uh, I have not had a chance to do that yet. Uh, I have some issues with my recording devices at the moment to prepare you for that. So when those issues are fixed, then I'll have something for you, maybe if not this month, maybe down the line, if not this year, then next year's edition. Uh, but for right now, uh, this is what we have currently. No theme intro song, but that's okay. I just want everyone to know it will come once uh, I have my uh, recording issues fixed with my program. So uh, when that gets done and over with, we'll go ahead and I'll go ahead to start uh, thinking of uh, something up. But I want to give uh, congratulations to... CONCACAF as well, uh, hiring a a renowned composer, a keyboard player for the Rolling Stones whenever they go on tour or he joins them in their studio to create music, Mr. Matt Clifford. Uh, He was able to publish this brand new uh, competition introduction song, and they're calling it Champions Battle. And you know what? I heard it. And if you haven't heard it yet, please go to CONCACAF. Go to the Champions Cup section in CONCACAF for the Men's Club Tournament. And you will be able to hear him talk about it. And you will also hear the music yourself. I think it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, It's got a lot of power, preciseness, and it just makes you feel happy and energetic when you want to listen to this theme song to get yourself ready for these CONCACAF Champions Cup matches uh, during the weeks, whether it's the round of uh, the first round, round of 16, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, as well as the championship final that will go into the month of June uh, from February up till June. So it's going to be exciting and it's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen with this brand new introduction music for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And once again, the title of this new piece by Mr. Matt Clifford is Champions Battle. But here's a battle I keep having with a certain broadcaster that is the English language rights holder for the CONCACAF Champions League and CONCACAF Champions Cup now uh, and majority of the CONCACAF tournaments that is going on. And that is, of course, Fox Sports. 
once again, Fox Sports continues to prove their laziness when it comes to promotion of this tournament. Nowhere on television, on linear television, or during their Twitter accounts, whether it be Fox Sports, Fox Soccer Plus, or Fox Soccer, that you are seeing television commercials or at least commercials for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. You know, when CBS Sports took over the UEFA Champions League and all the UEFA international club tournaments like the Europa League and the, and the brand new Conference League, what have they done besides broadcasting an excellent job of all the tournament of all these games. Now, granted, we all know that you're taking in the signal live signal from the UEFA production, but when you have studio hosts before, during and after a UEFA Champions League match day, Kate Abdo, Thierry Henry, Micah Richards, you know, Jamie Carragher, and all the other people who are a part of this production at CBS Sports. Is it that difficult for Fox Sports to give us our soccer talent right off the bat? Is it? No, it's not. And once again, no one knew social media when the CONCACAF Champions Cup was going to get started. Now, obviously, I am a member of the media, the soccer media, and I have to know where they are. And where do I go to? You know, I go to LiveSoccerTV.com. I also try to attempt Fox Sports' public relations Twitter account. And yes, I was happy that there will be there were some matches on Fox Sports 2 on Tuesday and then the rest of it was on Wednesday through Tubi. Now if you don't have Tubi, which I never had Tubi, when you go straight to their homepage, you think well you have to create an account to have the right to watch some of these games on Tubi. Now, thankfully, you don't have to have an account and you can go ahead and watch and Tubi is basically their, you know, Fox's version of Pluto TV. And when you go to the live TV section, or if you go to sports on Tubi on one of those tabs, it says Fox Sports on Tubi, which I'm very grateful that they have that. But once again, there are people that do not go onto LiveSoccerTV.com or go to Tubi to watch these games because no one knows. And then, of course, after the Liga MX matches are done, after next, this up, you know, the, the upcoming following week, which will be on Valentine's Day week, the next two weeks will be Major League Soccer. And the majority of them will be on Fox Sports 2, And one game on the first leg will be on Tubi, and then in the second leg, 
another game, a second leg game, will be on Tubi as well. Shared with Fox Sports 2. Now, once again, do we get Fox Sports' announcers? No. We don't get John Strong and Stu Holden. We don't get Keith Costigan or Warren Barton, J.P. Della Camera, Kobe Jones, etc., etc., etc. We don't get them. Because, and don't get me wrong, I give credit to the broadcasters on the international feed by CONCACAF, hired by CONCACAF at Vistalink, to broadcast these matches. They do an excellent job, and I'm glad that they get that opportunity. Believe me, I'm glad that they get that opportunity. But if you are Fox Sports, and you are the exclusive English language rights holder to these matches, shouldn't you at least, at least have your broadcasters ready to go? Shouldn't you at least advertise these games are on Fox Sports 2, or they are going to be on the Fox Sports on Tubi channel on the Tubi website. And that's spelled T as in Tom, U as in use, B as in boy, I as in inside. Tubi.com. Don't we have that? I guess not. And this is why I continue to clamor and hope and pray that once the contract deal with Fox Sports and CONCACAF are over, that CBS Sports, who has done an amazing job with soccer in this country, that has also been broadcasting CONCACAF World Cup qualification games, as well as the CONCACAF Nations League. I want Fox Sports to say good riddance to you, and I want CBS Sports to come in and take over every CONCACAF tournament that is out there. And that's not just the Nations League, and it's not just the World Cup qualifiers. I want them to take the Gold Cup. I want them to take the, the Gold Cup qualifiers. I want them to take the under-20 tournament, the under-17 tournament for both the boys and the girls. I want them to take the Olympic qualifying tournament for both the boys and the girls. I want CBS Sports to take over everything and anything CONCACAF. And I'm not saying this because I want to punish Rob Stone. I want to punish Alexi Lalas. I want to punish uh, JP Della Camera. No, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to punish them. I would like for them to move on to CBS Sports because it's not their fault. I want to be clear here. Stone, Lawless, Strong, Holden, Della Camera, Jones, Costigan, Barton, anyone and everyone that works at Fox Sports for soccer, their production team and the head honcho of Fox Sports is failing us. For the soccer community, they are 
failing us. Now, granted, they'll put all their money into the FIFA World Cup for both the men and the women. Because it's the biggest deal of all. But we're not talking about the biggest deal of all. Every single match and every single tournament, whether it be UEFA, CONMEBOL, CONCACAF, MLS, Liga MX, the U.S. men's national team, the U.S. women's national team, the Mexican men's national team, and the Mexican women's national team. Everything has to be together, and everything has to matter. If you want the sport to grow properly, not just getting those big tournaments from, in, from Europe, South America, and here in CONCACAF, it has to be the entire package. I don't care if they want to save some money here and there. The point is, I want them to care about the quality of the programs and the products that they signed contracts to, that they spent their money on to broadcast them and to show everyone why it matters here. It's not just the World Cup. It's not just the European Cup. And it's not just the Copa America that's coming over this summer. It has to be every single thing. And if we don't have that, then what are we doing? Then CONCACAF should really find a way. And I'm not saying to break a contract. What I'm saying is, when the contract with Fox Sports expires, go to CBS. CBS, even though they don't do much, they use the streams for Paramount Plus, which they use anyway. I know it's going to be used no matter what, and that's fine. But all I'm saying is this. They have shown more care for CONCACAF events meaning the Nations League and World Cup qualifying, than what Fox Sports has done on their own pinky and their own thumb. I'm getting sick and tired of it. Either they shape up or they got to be shipped out. That's all I'm saying because it matters, not just on the club level, the international team level, but on the body for the international games that we need, that we need to make sure that CONCACAF matters to everyone. And we are going to have some fun with it as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to talk about the CONCACAF Champions Cup round one first leg involving Liga MX teams. Uh, and once again, ladies and gentlemen, I have a brand new uh, guest with me. He's going to represent those Liga MX teams. He writes for SB Nation's FMF State of Mind. And this is Mr. Charlie Assam, who will join me right now. Charlie, good evening. Welcome to the show. And thank you very much for, the invita- for taking the invitation. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Thanks so much for, ha- uh, for having me on, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and, and ready to talk some soccer. 
Absolutely. Let's dive into it right now. And why not? The shock of the first leg, Nicaragua's Real Esteli surprising the great Club America by a final of two goals to one. Wow. I, I could not believe what I was watching when I saw this one. For sure, for sure. I mean, if if we if we talk about you know the the result um, as it stands, it's absolutely a surprise. Um, that that being said, though, and and I do want to you know kind of touch on this point. I think it is kind of important. Um, if if you focus on the game plan that Jardine you know prepared for for the match, I mean, it really worked out to perfection for him, except for the finishing part. I think if America would have, you know, finished two or three more of those opportunities, I mean, they they would have easily taken this game. They could have scored up to probably six, seven goals. No, you know, no problem. Um, so I think it was just an issue of them finishing. Um, so I'll I'll just I'll second, you know, your comment. I agree. It's it's absolutely a, the the surprise out of the five matches. But with a little more luck and probably on any other day, America should have, um, you know, pounced on, on, on these guys. But, you know, finishing is absolutely part of the game and, and they couldn't come through with that with that part. So so absolutely an amazing result for Rallis to for sure. Very sure. And I will say this, though, I think they're lucky enough that Julian Quinones got that away goal, because if they left clean sheeted, I think they'd be in bigger trouble because that away goal saved them in this tie. It did. Uh, Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, The, the only thing I have to say about Quinones is how uncomfortable he looked throughout the entire match. I mean, he, he never, you know, he never received a single uh, ball comfortably. He never got into position. He either had a defender breathing down his neck or if he was wide open, he either missed on a cross or, I mean, he just, he just failed to be the player he usually is for this America side. You know, he's, he's become such an important part of this team now, of this offense. Um, but, yeah, that being said, um, a super important goal. And uh, I will tell you this, despite the surprising result, I, I have no doubt that America will get the result. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a little bit more worried about a couple other teams in, in, you know, in their series. Um, America is not one of them. I fully expect them to take care of Rallis to Lee um, with, with no issue. Absolutely. I agree with you there. Let's move on to the next match. And that was, of course, uh, Monterey. What can you say about Monterey? A well-oiled machine. My goodness. I know it was 1-1 at the half uh, against Comunicaciones, but still, though, they handled them easily in the second half, and they won that 1-4-1. They did. They did. Um, they they absolutely got lucky. You know, within the first 15 minutes of the game, they they you know they could have had two or three goals scored against them. They got lucky. You know, Andrada came up huge, huge in those first 15 minutes, and then um, you know their quality took over in in, in a sense. Um, but I, I think. Uh, the the turning point is in in the second half with the score two one. I still saw uh, Comunicaciones, you know, kind of moving, you know, charging and charging on on Rayado's defense, 
and there's a play where uh, Luis Romo loses the ball, um, and then he saves his own goal with a with an amazing you know defensive header, sends the ball uh, you know over the goal for a corner, and then two minutes later Rayado scored the three one, and then that that was it from that point on. But you know those first 65 70 minutes of the game. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm no joke. This was anyone's game. I, I, I was surprised because I expected a full Rayados uh, throttle, you know, but, but just wasn't the case. No, it really wasn't. But still, though, uh, I did feel they were going to handle Comunicación as well. But, but, yeah, give them credit. They really battled out there. Uh, next match, which I, I think you'll agree with me, this was also a, a hard-fought match over uh, down in Costa Rica. Toluca defeats Herdiano 2-1. Um, look, uh, you know, surprising me, Herdiano held their home match at Aloenza Stadium at the Alejandro Marrero Soto. Uh, but still, though, yeah. I thought Toluca played a very strong. It was it was a great hard fought match from both sides, and you know if uh, David Vega for Herdiano did not pull that one back, I think Toluca would have won this one two nil three nil. And and Dan, this this you know you have to add to to Herediano, you know the credit you're giving to Herediano, which I think is absolutely valid. The fact that they did it with you know ten men with over eighty minutes, you know eighty plus minutes. Uh, throughout the match, they had, uh, you know, one less player on, on the pitch. So absolute, complete credit to Piti Altamirano and, and his team. I think the fact of Piti Altamirano, you know, having been, uh, you know, now, now they're, you know, Herediano manager, um, you know, being a, a Mexican, uh, you know, star at, at one point throughout his career, he played a number of games with the, with the national team. I think he knows Liga MX very, very well. So he was able to set up, his game plan, you know, with with that in mind. So he played them to perfection. And if Herediano hadn't gotten that red card early, I think it was uh, John uh, Jairo Ruiz, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. He gets that early red card. And if, if they play a, an 11 v 11 match, I think the result could have been much different. Um, so, so yeah, kudos to Herediano for, for hanging in there. Absolutely. Absolutely, but still, though, Vegas, I mean, that was a great goal. But I got to say this about Toluca. I mean, I know Toluca, I mean, I know they're well-known in Mexico, but, you know, here, maybe in the U.S., we all know Cruz Azul, we all know America, Guadalajara, um, now Club Leon that came out of nowhere last year in the final edition of the Champions League. I mean, you know... they're, they're, I mean, they're a tough team, obviously. I mean, they're, they're managed pretty well, but they've had their ups and downs, haven't they? They have, and, and I think, I think you're, you're hitting it right there um, on, on the point, Dan. I think um, they have a great offense, especially, you know, offensively speaking, they're extremely talented, but I, I just think they're a, a bit inconsistent, you know, and, and, and I don't know, it might have something to do with, at least, at least in, in this match, what I saw, I thought Paiva, uh, you know, Toluca manager Paiva was a little bit um, fearful. I think he was more concerned with keeping the lead than actually taking advantage of, of having an extra man on, on the pitch and, and charging. But absolutely, they're extremely talented. They're just a bit inconsistent up front. And now with the addition of Juan Escobar, who you just touched upon, Cruz Azul, you know, he was a great, great uh, defender for Cruz Azul over the past you know, three, four years. So now with the addition of Escobar, I think they feel that they have um, a pretty solid team. 
Um, this was actually, I think, Escobar's debut with with the club. So, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what what they uh, what they show, you know, in the rest of the of their Concacaf uh, Champions Cup um, journey. Absolutely. You know, this was probably one of, one of my favorite matches to watch, actually. You know, ha- uh, Hamilton Forge uh, from the Canadian Premier League taking on Guadalajara. And I want your thoughts on Cade Cowell. He had a monster match. First two goals uh, for the club. Got the opener, got the closer. What, what's your thoughts of Cade Cowell, the U.S. men's national team attacker? Absolutely. Absolutely. A huge improvement uh, for, for Chivas up front. He's, you know, a upgrade, uh, no, no doubt in my mind. Um, this, I guess, could be seen a bit as, as his, you know, coming out match, if, if, if you will. Um, and I think it was, I mean, he, he was in, in uh, you know, big need of, of this game. This, this will absolutely put, um, you know, some of the critics' minds to rest. I think he's proving what, what he can do. Uh, in his in his first couple games, he had a few chances, you know, in, in Liga MX. I'm I'm, I'm talking about, and mm-hmm. and uh, he came very close to scoring. He just he just got a little unlucky, but once he gets going, he will prove to be an an absolute upgrade for this for this team. Sixty seven minutes worth, and you know, I gotta say, I mean, I was happy for him. And look, I mean, I you know this as well as I do. Guadalajara always prides themselves in only having talented footballers from the country of Mexico, only that. Did, did they accept him to keep his, men's, his U.S. men's national team uh, options open? Did they finally repented or relented that, or it, they just let him have it? No, I, I, I believe I, I believe they're they're letting him keep it. I, I I believe the issue with him is, you know, he has I think he has his Mexican passport as well. So that's what they're taking into account. If I'm not mistaken, okay. he just got it um you know, over over the past not sure if the past weeks it was, mm-hmm. uh past few mm-hmm. weeks. So so I believe that's that's the issue with him. Yeah. Okay. Good. No, listen, I'm happy. I, I'm glad they did that. I'm very, you know, for myself, obviously. I mean, look, you know it as well as I do. We know that's the what's set in stone over in Guadalajara. And like I said, whatever they do, they do. It's fine by me. But you know, I'm just happy that they've allowed this to happen. And of course, uh, you know, that Absolutely. was that uh, the leveling of the match was in the 31st minute from Forge by Taron Campbell. But you know, Ricardo Martin got that big second goal. The, the game-winning goal in first-half stoppage time. So, obviously, Guadalajara doing uh, some yeah. damage right there. Now, you can go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That, that's fine. I just, I just wanted to add, you know, really quickly here on, on this match in particular, um, and without taking credit away from, from Chivas at all, but I just felt Forge looked like a team who hadn't played a game, you know, in three-plus months. Um, they looked slow. They looked out of rhythm. Um, which is exactly, you know, what, what they are. They haven't played a match since October while Chivas are five games into their, you know, current season. So it just seems to me it wasn't a, a level a level playing field in that sense. It would be interesting, interesting to see this matchup if Forge were, you know, actually in rhythm, you know, in, you know, in form, you know, in, in the middle, in, in the midst of their season, right? Um, so I just wanted mm-hmm. to add that. Um, yeah, it's a great game by Chivas, but I think, um, they took advantage of the fact that Forge are a bit out of out of rhythm, out of sync. 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. And finally, of course, Tigris at the Vancouver Whitecaps. If not for Gignac, the Tigris would have been in big trouble. I mean, look, I, I want to be fair here and I want to be honest here. I thought Vancouver looked to be the better side. And if not for Gignac, who's 38 years old and he can still bend a damn good ball and it still has the quality, I think Tigris <laughs> is lucky they're not limping back to Mexico. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Vancouver made that back line um, look, um, you know, much, much, uh, much less than what it is. When, like, when you look at those names back there, I mean, Guido Pizarro, Diego Reyes. I mean, Diego Reyes, even though he's been a regular uh, bench player for, for Tigres, I mean, he is a Mexican national team player. I mean, he's been on the Mexican national team um, for a number of games as well. Um, you have Jesus Angulo back there, uh, and, and now Tui Garza on the right, who's proven to be a, 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 you know, a, a surprise, a, a great surprise for, for Tigres, uh, filling in for, for Aquino since his injury. But absolutely, they, they got through them with no issue. Um, and, and yeah, in terms of, of Gignac, um, I mean, there's no other word you can use to describe him other than clutch. I mean, I don't care what, what – kind or level of game it is it can be regular season it can be you know first round in the playoffs it can be the final he is always the player to show up and score the important goal I was thinking at a point there Dan that you know Gignac might be a a prime candidate to come off the field when when Siboldi was starting to make his his substitutions and when I saw he didn't take him off I said it's obvious that, you know, he's leading him in because he knows that he can get a score at any minute during the game. Uh, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. So, exactly. so I agree with you. You know, they're, they're not limping back. They, they, they have an advantage with the away goal coming back home, and they should be able to take care of Vancouver. It'll be tough, but they should be able to take care of them. Absolutely. Charlie, listen, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'll talk to you next week for the second leg review show. Thank you as always for being on the show and uh, hope you enjoyed yourself and talk to you next week. Absolutely. Dan. appreciate you having me on and we'll, we'll talk next week for sure. Thanks so much. Thank you. You're, you're welcome, Charlie. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Charlie Assam from FMF state of mind of SB nation joining us tonight to talk about all those clubs from league MX getting involved. Now we're going to stick with the Vancouver side of things between the, the white caps and Tigris, Michael McCall from away from the numbers podcast and website, Michael, welcome back. Uh, glad to have you back. Listen, um, as much of a problem Vancouver was to Tigris. I have to be honest. The, the, the two moments that really angered me with the Whitecaps was the removal of Brian White's goal that should have killed the match off at 2-0. And then, of course, uh, getting caught with their pants down on the free kick by Gignac that leveled the match at one. Yeah, two big turning points in the game that, I mean, if Vancouver had got that second goal, had that two-goal lead, could they have held on? It it was a cheap free kick to give away, and you you know how good Gignac is. I mean, that... Oh, yeah. The the way that that was struck, it's one of the best free kicks I've seen live in a game that I've been at, and you just had to... To applaud it and like listening to Charlie there just before 
I mean, we we were talking in the press box that we thought Gignac would come off because he was not having a good night. He had one shot from distance, but he was doing nothing. He looked frustrated, but he's got that moment of magic, and he, he showed it. The disallowed goal. Now, we've had lots of people going back and forth on this. We we have a guy that's um, he's a lawyer and he sponsors our podcast, but he's also a local referee. So we we go to him for our refereeing decisions to to see mm-hmm. his take on it and stuff. And he he said it's debatable whether you should have gone back as far as you did. Yes, Shop was offside when the initial ball was played through, but the flag didn't go up. So it's a case of how far back do do you go? Because it had hit off three Tigris players by the time that it had come to Brian White. So it's a debatable one. At the end of the day, I can see why it was given, but it is just it's it's so frustrating because Vancouver could have been in dreamland. And I mean, being honest, it's way even the draw is way more than we were expecting going into the game. Oh, absolutely. And let me say this. You're absolutely right, because that's what I thought originally, too. Because as you know as well as I do, if a shot hits, if the attacking side takes a shot and it hits off of a defending player first, offside resets. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was fine. And then all of a sudden, you know... I saw, even before Brian White took the shot, you had at least that, I forget who it was, but he was offside before the shot was taken. And honestly, I I thought, you know, that was fine. And they wiped it out. I'm like, I can't believe they're going back. I didn't think they took it all the way back there. I thought they took it off when you see the player being passively offside and I thought they weren't going to wipe it out, but they did. Yeah, I mean, the, the frustrating thing for us as well is we had no replay of the incident at all in the stadium. So I had to wait till I got home to to really watch it back. So I, I was trying to source people's opinion on Twitter. And it's like, it's so many different opinions about the interpretation of it. And it, it's just one of those things. We knew something was up because how long it was taking. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't want to, to put on your conspiracy theory hat, but it's like, if it wasn't a Mexican giant, would it have had such a, a strong look? I, I don't know. But, I mean, ultimately, that was a game-changing moment. because It really Vancouver, was. Yeah, Vancouver, going to Monterey with a two-goal lead, you fancy them. Going with a one-goal lead, tough, but they could sneak in away goal. And they still could, but I think Tigris just, they didn't like the field. It's a very narrow field where they were playing, so they didn't have that width. Vancouver's defensive structure and just their play, their lines, the way that they were set up, everything Vanny planned for the game worked pretty much to perfection. He was a little bit disappointed about some of the giveaways and just maybe not challenging enough. But there was tired legs out there. And it's their first competitive game of the season. You're playing a a Mexican team that's in form, unbeaten this year. I mean, everything considered, tremendous, tremendous performance. 
No, no, absolutely. I am not taking away the performance at all because I really thought the Whitecaps gave Tigris a run for their money. I mean, they defended them. They frustrated them. They made them feel small. And even I was, while I'm watching this match, I'm thinking to myself, there is no way Tigris is not being able to handle the Whitecaps like this. I mean, they're, they're, there's no way they're, they're, they're like reacting. Let's be honest. They're going penalty hunting every single opportunity they get. And, you know, what a goal by, by Kralach, by Damir Kralach in that first half. I mean, that got the crowd rocking when he converted that shot to make it 1-0. That was tremendous. Yeah, I think what the really exciting aspect of that was is that that's the first game that White, Gold, and Krylak have played together as a front three. And if that's what they're doing at this stage, if that's where the chemistry is at, it bodes so well for the season. A fun fact for you, I spoke to Ryan Gold after the game, and I had said to him about, oh, pinpoint cross to, to Brian White. And he said... Honestly, I underhit it. I was trying to play it over the top for Brian to, to run into, so that wasn't what he was even trying to do. But then White quickly heading that on into Krylak. Krylak is going to be such a good addition for the Whitecaps this year. He feels he's fully recovered from his injury problems. He's raring to go. And getting that first goal early as well takes a huge lot of pressure off him. Absolutely. I mean, getting him, I mean, obviously, like you said, his injury issues were a big thing, but still, though, you take him away from Real Salt Lake, you got yourself a steal. You got yourself a hell of a striker. He's going to work really well with Brian White, who's a heck of a striker himself. You know, uh, very happy for Brian White when he got the call up for the January match uh, for the U.S. men's national team. I've seen him also before he was transferred over to the Whitecaps from the Red Bulls. You've got yourself, you know, Brian White's an excellent player himself, and he's definitely growing and growing and growing to becoming a real threat for the Whitecaps uh, over in the Western Conference. Yeah, big fan of Brian. My only worry with Brian is in the last three seasons, he's had two career years. Now, that's a lot to expect a guy to keep doing. So he needed to have some help. And now he's got it, not just with Krylak, but also with Fafa Pico. And it's, it's the same with Ryan Gold. The, towards the end of last year, Gold and White had kind of run themselves into the ground a little bit. But now mm-hmm. they've got this help there. And it's like Brian, with that, some of the weight off his shoulders, he could have had a couple of goals because there was a, a couple of chances in that Tigris game there was one where the ball came right across the goal to him and he just stretched, but he just couldn't get to it. You have a few more weeks in the, the preseason under his belt. He'll be sharper and he'll get to that. So it's promising. And I, I mean, going down to Monterey, it's, it's going to be tough. But the, the feeling from like speaking to Vanni Sartini after the game and then we, we chatted with a few of the players they are confident they can go down and, and pull off a shock. They, they really believe they can score down there. And once you get an away goal coming into play, then it changes everything completely. That in itself is what is frustrating that they gave up that late leveller. Because even if they'd gone down one up, I fancied them to get an away goal, and then it just makes it very, very interesting. Who was the last MLS team to go down to Monterey and knock out the great Tigris? 
Oh, I don't know. I'd... Montreal comes to mind, but I don't know. I think I might be thinking of another Mexican team that they did. I'm not sure. Who who would that be? Toronto FC. Ah, we try not to think of them up here. I know, but I had to do it. I had to do it. Come on. I mean, look, the run they had uh, back in 2018, they knocked off Tigris yeah. and they knocked off Club America, but they lost to Guadalajara for the championship, unfortunately. But still, though, uh, Toronto FC was the last MLS club to knock off Tigris at home to finish up that tie. So, um, look... Uh, like I look, I know the Whitecaps, uh, you know, hands are tied right now, and uh, they got a big opportunity here to knock them out. But look, you never know; they could put on a blinder and they could knock them out. Well, they've got the guys to do, it. and they put that performance in on Wednesday night without Andres Kubis in the number six role. He's day to day with an injury at the moment. If they can get him back for that game then that would be huge. I thought Pedro Vite though, on Wednesday night was excellent. When we saw the starting lineup, you're looking at it, and there's not a defensive midfielder in there. So we thought Alessandro Schopp would be the guy that would be the six, with Vite playing the eight, but they switched those roles. We've never seen Vite play as a six, and he was excellent. And Vanny said afterwards that he believes that he's a midfielder, more than a, a forward player, and that he can play any of the four midfield positions in the diamond formation that he's looking to play. So this could be a season that you see someone like Pedro Viti break out. And the, the Whitecaps have the players to, to do it next week. Yohei Takaoka had a couple of huge saves as well. And I don't think many keepers would have got to that Gignac free kick. There was a couple of folk online here that were like, oh, he, he should have got to that. And it's like, are you kidding me? That was like pinpoint. <laughs> Absolutely. That was great. And uh, once again, I, I really think the Whitecaps are going to give Tigris for the, a run for their money. And uh, we'll see what happens. But definitely, it feels pretty good. So, you know, what, what, I know we're, we're still on Champions Cup situation, but how do you feel now after you've seen what you've seen so far at Starlight Stadium? Why was it at Starlight and not at BC Place? I mean, I'm not obviously it can't be, uh, you know, BC Lions season, is it? No, no. oh, you, you'll love this. Um, so we we share the stadium with BC Lions and the Canadian Football League, but because it's mm-hmm. a huge stadium. It's also used for events. So they, in a couple of weeks, they've got the Rugby Sevens on. But right now, ah. it's, a, it's a home and garden show that's taking place. It's a trade show. So there's, there's a couple of other stadiums in the lower mainland area. One of them has just been renovated and the pitch, it's a grass pitch, it's just not ready to play on. And the other one is Vancouver FC, who play in the Canadian Premier League, but their floodlights are not deemed suitable by CONCACAF, and and they're not. They are absolutely terrible floodlights. I've been there for night games, and you can't see a thing. So because of that, it was either they had to go over the border and play probably down Seattle, or go over to the island and play on Vancouver Island, which... For, for listeners unfamiliar with the geography here, it's a, a one and a half, one and a hour, 40 minute ferry ride 
from Vancouver. The ferry terminal is 40 minutes from downtown Vancouver. And then when you get to the other side, it's another half-hour drive to the stadium. So you're looking like a two-and-a-half-hour travel. You'd be as well really just going down to Seattle. Hmm, absolutely. I agree with you there. But, uh, look, I'm glad the match was played. Uh, once again, 1-1 one, one is not bad. But then again, uh, it should have been 2-0 at least. But, you know, look, there's, they still have an opportunity. They can still frustrate Tigris. But they got to get that away goal to, not, to uh, knock off Tigris's away goal, that's for sure. Without a doubt, yeah. they have to get that away goal down in Monterey. But, Michael, thank you very much for joining me tonight. I'll talk to you next week in the second leg review. And uh, hopefully the Whitecaps, they will be able to get that result and uh, move on. Looking forward to it, Dan, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you. You have a good night. You too. Thank you. Michael McCall from Away From The Numbers website and podcast, talking about the Vancouver Whitecaps. And, of course, uh, should have been 2-0. Goal got chucked off, 1-0. And once again, the power of Andre-Pierre Ginoc pulled Tigris level. And at the moment, they have the advantage on the away goal. My next guest could not come with, on uh, live with me tonight, but he is a member of the One Soccer uh, group that talks Canadian soccer, and he covers the, the Canadian Premier League as we recap the Forge side of the match against Guadalajara Chivas. This is Mr. Alexander Gangay-Ruzik, and here is that recorded interview right now. And this is the CONCACAF Champions Cup first leg round one review show. Those matches involving teams from the Liga MX as well as our friends up north in Canada. Joining me right now, he covers the Canadian Premier League for One Soccer uh, television station up in Canada, Mr. Alexander Gangay-Ruzik. Alexander, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Daniel. Appreciate the invite, and uh, excited to, to chat because it's me, CPL and then CONCACAF Champions League, uh, Champions Cup. Caught myself there, but uh, it's a big deal, and it's exciting to, to see them on this great platform. It really is uh, a very exciting time once again, and you know, just to see uh, these clubs from the Canadian Premier League getting their part in the CONCACAF Champions Cup now with the whole revampment done by, of course, Canadian uh, soccer president of CONCACAF, Victor Montagliani. I mean, I have to admit, you know, it's not just the MLS clubs that get involved. It's nice to see the Canadian Premier League getting involved in the international club competition of this region. Yeah, I think it's huge because, uh, especially for a new league, uh, it's a big chance to showcase uh, some of the teams, right? I think we saw that a lot with Forge and CONCACAF League before, where they kind of, you know, I thought that was a great competition, especially because it allowed them to compete from day one the, to show legitimately that, you know, of course, ideally long-term, the Canadian Premier League wants to compete with the League MX, wants to compete with an MLS. But to start, it was a good measuring stick to go up against other Central American teams and show that, even if it's a new league, they can go up against teams from Honduras, El Salvador, Costa Rica. Uh, and now uh, that they get this chance to, to get thrown in against League MX and MLS teams, uh, it's something that will only grow uh, the teams, the, the league long-term, to, to show that they can indeed go up against these giants who have been around for a long time. And 
uh, just proved themselves a, a, a club that have, have grown really rapidly in just five years of the league existence. It, absolutely. But the one thing I have to say is, is this, and I think you can't deny it, and I know I can't deny it, even though I'm on the outside looking in, Hamilton Forge has been such a juggernaut in the Canadian Premier League. Just when you think maybe they might falter, they find a way to break out and they get the results they need to at least get the victory or win the Canadian Premier League Championship. Yeah, it's been remarkable to watch just the consistency uh, because they're always been expected to be one of the top teams. Uh, you know, Bobby Spinotis has long connections uh, with Sigma, the academy he, uh, he co-founded, produced some national team players like the you know, Richie Larea, Kyle Lahren, or just some of the names that have gone through, Tejon Buchanan as well, all huge names, given an idea of the scope of talent he's worked with. So they always had a great academy, but I think the most impressive thing is, yeah, the fact that through five years, there's been five playoff champions, well, five, five playoff championships, they've won four of them. <laughs> I think that's just remarkable that every, and every year they've been in the final. Even the one year they didn't win, they lost narrowly in the final. And that consistency is remarkable because, okay, in year one, maybe they're the top two teams, kind of had that advantage of uh, having that built-in academy that other teams didn't have as they're building from scratch. But ever since then, the standard has always been, well, let's beat Forge, let's beat Forge. And every year they've kind of risen to that and be like, well, you're going to need to try harder to to, to do that. And I think that's just, uh, you know, a a credit to Bobby Smirnotis and what he's built and then the players that they have there. It's just such a winning mentality throughout the whole group. And, uh, they continue to prove that domestically, and it's been also nice to see them prove that outside in the Canadian Championship. They've had some good results, haven't won that yet, but made a final, uh, you know, pushed some MLS teams, and now in, in, in CONCACAF they've done a pretty good job of that too. Yeah, they really have, and let's go ahead and talk about this match. They drew against one of the top clubs historically in Liga MX in Guadalajara, Chivas, and uh, we all know about how important that club is to Mexican football, and uh, a tall task for Hamilton Forge, but then again, they've always handled tall tasks, whether it be domestic or international. What did you think of their performance against uh, Guadalajara, especially now that they've added uh, American national team striker Cade Cowell to uh, their repertoire for Guadalajara? Yeah, I think ultimately, uh, you know, it was a tough result in the end for, for Ford. Chivas came away 3-1. Uh, it was good performance from, from, from Chivas. But I think from Ford's perspective, it was also a very good performance because I think they went pretty even toe-to-toe. Uh, of course, Chivas did leave a couple of key regulars behind, but still for the most part, maybe it wasn't full A-team lineup. It was still a pretty strong Chivas uh, group. And Ford was able to, to go toe-to-toe. And what was nice, they kind of went toe-to-toe their way. In the CPL, we see it a lot with Forge. They like to dominate games in possession. They like to, to really do their best work on the ball. They're not the, Bobby Spinotis, he almost jokes about it at time being, times being like, oh, you know, teams are going to come here and just sit back and frustrate us, but we don't care. We, we have our way of playing. We're never going to change for that. And he showed that in this game, despite going up against a team like Chivas, where they would have had every reason to play a little more cautious, play more long balls, sit back behind. Uh, they were trying to build up the back off of every goal kick. They were trying to build up in possession, and I think that was remarkable. And I was impressed that their one goal they scored was off of sequence possession. It wasn't a turnover. It wasn't a mistake. Uh, it was Alessandro Holjabic pinging the ball to Tristan Borges. Tristan Borges, great cross. Uh, 
you know, the Taryn Campbell that goes in. And that was some great just soccer to, to see from them. And that's the philosophy they have of playing their way. And I, I was very impressed that they were able to go toe-to-toe with Chivas. And honestly, I thought it was an even game. Really what hurt Fords in the end was just some defensive mistakes, I think. That's just early preseason rust going up against a team like Chivas that's in more of a mid-season form. Also, the fact Ford's lost some key defensive reinforcements over the off-season that they haven't uh, yet replaced. But all things considered, they could feel very proud that they went toe-to-toe playing their way uh, because against a Liga MX giant, they would have had every reason to sit back, just try to make things ugly. And uh, I thought they showed well themselves while showing the image that we've been used to seeing from Forge. Absolutely, and I thought, absolutely. I mean, I really thought uh, Christopher Colongo looked really strong in net. I mean, obviously the defensive mistakes did not help him, but outside of that, he played excellent in goal. I thought he made uh, some pretty good saves. I thought he was in excellent position for the majority of the chances that uh, Chivas had against Forge. I mean, like, I agree with you. I thought Bobby absolutely got his team ready to go for this one, and not once did they look out of place. Yeah, no, that's huge, and I think it's important that the context as well, like someone like Colombo not looking out of place, that was his, like, I think, third professional appearance for Forge. He only played two games last year. Tristan Henry is the main guy in goal. Uh, he was missing through just a personal absence he's been dealing with through preseason, and I think that that's also another huge philosophy that Smignotis has, that he's willing to t- trust uh, younger players, uh, you know, Kwasi Popa, who started, unfortunately, only lasted 10 minutes. He's, you know, he's been a promising U21 in the league the last few years. Uh, there's a lot of players as well uh, that he's just willing to, to trust. And I think that's also a key part of it that, um, you know, of, of course, there's key veterans like Kyle Becker, who MLS fans will know, former draft pick, played, uh, you know, for Dallas, Montreal, Toronto. There's some key veterans in the team that really make it tick, but it's also been cool to see you know, just really give a lot of youth players uh, a chance and how they all bought into this Forge vision. It shows that it's truly top-down even to, to a lot of these kids coming through that Stigma Academy and whatnot. Exactly, and I think also one of those veterans that was with uh, CF Montreal, David Chouinier, uh, I, I thought he did very well on the wing. I thought he attacked with a lot of purpose along the near side. I, I really thought he looked pretty good on the right side going down the attack. Yeah, he's a very dangerous presence. He's uh, always a consistent force for for Forge. Um, what's nice is he can really take guys on 1v1, and he just has his ability to score from these tight angles and, and make things happen. So he didn't maybe get in as many scoring positions as you would have liked from him. That can be sometimes where he's at his best, but what's nice is you're always going to get a solid uh, shift on both sides of the ball from him, and he can he's always good at making himself available and getting into to space. So... I think Schwanier will be exciting that to, to see him in action. Last year, he missed a lot of it through injury, and Forge missed that in the regular season. They kind of struggled a bit more than they would have liked, and Schwanier missing was a big part of that. And because he loves big games, he scored a lot in Concacaf. He'd scored their first Concacaf Champions Cup goal when they they played uh, Cruz Azul in, in 22. He scored at the Azteca, so he has this knack of showing up in big games. Uh, so I think uh, for Smirnyard, it's encouraging to see that he's, he's back and healthy to start this year, and hopefully they can keep him on because, uh, yeah, a lot of this, the talk around this team goes around Becker and, you know, Tristan Borges and even Terrence Campbell, he scores a lot of goals, but it's important that you can quickly forget how important Schwanier is just for his big game ability. 
I have to ask you this. I mean, I know Mauro Biello currently is the head coach for the Canadian men's national team, but have there been rumors about Bobby Smirnotis maybe taking over one day? I mean, look, we can't ignore the record he's having right now with Forge and how well he's got them going. Do you think he would take over the national team one day? Yeah, I think it's something that's very been strong rumors, and, you know, it sounds like there's been a, a certain form of interest in Smirnotis from Canada's perspective, and I think there's a certain level of interest from Smirnotis in that job. I think it's someone he, he would make a, a, a lot of sense as one of the options uh, to, to consider when they do finally sit down and name uh, or at least look at options for that, that job, which, again, Yellow does remain an intern. It looks like they're planning on hiring um, someone different. Um, so, yeah, I think Smirnis can absolutely be considered. I think he has a lot of uh, things that you'd like to see. He's a proven winner uh, in his time in the CPL and the fact that he's been able to do it continentally. Uh, and, you know, compete in the Canadian Championship is huge. Uh, also, that familiarity with CONCACAF is, is a big bonus because sometimes coaches can, can come from outside the region and be a bit thrown off by, uh, you know, all the differences and nuances of the, the soccer in this region. He's familiar with some of the, the national team players, having met, worked with the likes of Buchanan, Larea, Laren, are all key players for uh, this Canadian national team uh, at the moment. Uh, he's a strong personality too. It sounds like in Forge, the way they respect him, and you know he knows how to sometimes go a little harder on them if they need, but also be a player's coach and and and, and you know be respected in that regard. He ticks so many boxes, so there's absolutely no reason why he can't be considered. Um, you know, he, he's got an experienced resume. Yeah, it may only be five years in the pro game, but based on what we we've seen from it. Uh, especially in terms of Canadian options as a Canadian coach, you have to think he's, he's up there as one of the top choices. Now, let's go ahead and uh, preview that second leg. They got to head over to Guadalajara at the Estadio Akron. Um, I mean, it's really simple here. They, Chivas converted three away goals, and for Forge to at least force any form of either penalty kicks or to at least knock Guadalajara out, they must score three away goals because that will at least give them an advantage on the aggregate because two's not enough. They're going to, uh, Chivas will advance on a 3-3 draw. So what does Forge need to do to uh, turn the tide and surprise everybody uh, in the opening round in that second leg? Yeah, well, I mean, if they're there to get a result, they're going to need goal, three, three minimum. And of course, you're going to need to keep things tidy at the back, so it's no doubt a tall task. But I guess, look, if you're, uh, if you're Forge, they were fearless in leg one, just be fearless in leg two. They had chances to score more than they did in leg one, so keep creating those opportunities. Try to convert them uh, when they come to you. Like, you have to be ruthless in these sorts of ties. Uh, and just, yeah, try to organize things at the back. I think uh, if they generate chances and play on that front foot, no reason why you can't try to, to get you know, two goals, three goals, and, and, and keep things uh, tidier than they were just because, again, it was the, the fact that they can look at the Chivas goals and all those were individual mistakes. That can be a bit of a boost. They're like, all right, well, it's in our hands to, to keep things tidy defensively versus uh, getting overwhelmed or swarmed to a point where they're like, okay, yeah, we were, uh, you know, we're never going to be in the game de- defensively. Look, it's going to be a very tall task. Chivas should win this nine times out of ten, at least the aggregate tie, but 
the Forge, this is a huge chance for them to go and just make a statement. I think what's nice about this game is even if they go and get a nil-nil result, 1-1 result, and they get eliminated, I think for, for them, you know, as a team that's you know, new into this competition, to go out and get a result like that against a Mexican team in Mexico, that, that's, I think, something that they could really build off of long-term, be it in the CPL season or, say, they qualify for this again next year, they can have that confidence of being like, oh, yeah, we've gone up against Mexican teams already and showed that we can uh, get results like that. So I think what's nice for, for Forge, it feels like a bit of a win-win situation. Like this experience is going to be invaluable, and, of course, they're going to aim to try and keep advancing, but uh, it won't be the end of the world if they go out and get a nil-nil 1-1 draw, because I still think that would be a massive result. That is One Soccer's Alexander Gonge-Ruzik. Thank you for joining me tonight, and uh, good luck with the second leg next week. Hopefully Forge can pull the upset. I'll talk to you next week, Alexander. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel. It was a pleasure. And once again, that is Alexander Gonge-Ruzik from One Soccer Television up in Canada covering the Premier League in Canada, the Canadian Premier League, I should say, as uh, we finish up with my interviews here on the CONCACAF Champions Cup first leg round one Liga MX review show. Here is the schedule for the second leg next week. Once again, this will involve Liga MX teams on Tuesday, February the 13th at 10 o'clock Eastern 7 o'clock Pacific, Guadalajara Chivas will be hosting Forge FC on Wednesday, February the 14th, Valentine's Day, and hopefully it's a lovey-dovey for those teams that are going to make the attempt to get their love in. Tigris will be hosting the Vancouver Whitecaps while at 8 o'clock Eastern, uh, 5 o'clock Pacific, and at 10 and 15 Eastern, 7.15 Pacific, uh, of course, these are the two matches. Tigres will be hosting the Vancouver Whitecaps, and then Club America will be hosting Real Esteli. And then on Thursday, February 15th, at 8.06 p.m. Eastern, 5.06 Pacific, Deportivo Toluca will be taking on Club Sport Herdeano. And then finally, on the same date, at 10.15 Eastern, 7.15 Pacific, Thursday, February the 15th, Monterey will be hosting Comunicaciones. And then the following week after this upcoming week, the MLS teams will be getting ready for their opening round and their first leg, which will involve St. Louis City hosting the Houston Dynamo, the Philadelphia Union heading down to Costa Rica to take on Deportivo Saprissa, New England Revolution taking on Club Athletic Independiente of Panama, Cavalry FC in Calgary, Canada to host Orlando City, Mocha FC of Dominican Republic to take on Nashville SC, and then Cavalier FC of Jamaica hosting FC Cincinnati. So we'll get more of that for the following week. But that is your schedule for in two weeks for the first leg of the first round for MLS clubs. And we'll review that every Friday. And don't forget my show this coming Monday night. My guests will be Ruben Tisch from The Lantern covering the Chicago Fire and Jeremy Peterman from Cascadia FC covering the Portland Timbers. 
I want to thank my guests tonight. I want to thank Charlie Assam from FMF State of Mind of SB Nation. I want to thank Michael McCall from Away From The Numbers website and podcast. I also want to thank Alexander Gongerjik from One Soccer. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. This has been the CONCACAF Champions Cup first round, first leg Liga MX review show. And we'll do the second leg review next Friday. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long and bye-bye. Have a good night, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.